Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host. This is episode 126. Thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, being a fan and supporting me. And so many of you reach out and talk to me, and I appreciate that. You know, I have a Kickstarter project coming up pretty soon that's going to uh, be to expand the podcast, to bring more content, to upgrade it. I'm looking forward to that. You can find out more information as I release it if you go visit thegamewhisperer.com. Sign up for my newsletter. And that's uh, how I'll continue to provide some information. I get a lot of questions uh, sent to me about Kickstarter and some other things. So rather than try to you know, figure out myself, I thought I'd bring in an expert and uh, would take just a few minutes to kind of do that. So this is our new expert segment. And I've invited Scott Pfeiffer uh, Mar- from Marshall Frederick and Company to kind of to talk to us about answer a couple of questions. Scott, hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you, Richard. Okay, so here's the question. Uh, somebody asked me about using Kickstarter to raise money for a 501c3. What, first of all, what is that for our listeners, and can you do that on Kickstarter? Well, a 501c3 is a public charity, a nonprofit that acts in the public good and raises money from the public. And the thing about being a 501c3 is when people give you money, they get a tax deduction for their donation. And no, Kickstarter will not allow you to use their platform to raise money for causes or charities. That's just not their business model. Okay. And so, but there, I assume there are other platforms out there that are similar to that. There are. There are other Kickstarter type crowdfunding platforms that are geared towards allowing charities to raise money for their causes. Uh, for example, causes.com, startsomegood.com, and crowdrise.com are all similar to Kickstarter, but geared more towards causes and charities. Okay, so it's not that you can't do it. It's that Kickstarter has chosen to, their model just doesn't allow it to happen. It can be done other places. That's right. But if I understand right, there are ways to actually raise money that, that's, that benefit a cause. Sure. Kickstarter's model requires that you have some sort of deliverable product or service at the end of your campaign. It's for specific um, deliverables. So, for example, if you wanted to benefit a charity you could use a Kickstarter project to fund a documentary or fund a book and use the Kickstarter money to create that product or deliverable. And then once it's created and paid for, you can then take it and use it to raise money for your cause outside of Kickstarter. Got it. Got it. All right. Well, that answers our question when somebody asked, and the question was, can I, use, can I raise money on Kickstarter for a 501c3? And, uh, which is a public charity. And Scott, I appreciate you taking a few minutes to answer the question for us. Thank you, Richard. It's good to be here. And we'll be sure to have you back next time. That was our uh, little technical segment on answering a quick question that's been sent in. Now let's go ahead and talk to our guest. My guest today is uh, someone who has been in the board game space for a long time, but mostly is known for uh, his war colleges throughout the West Coast game conventions. I'm joined by Dana Lombardi. Dana, thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you, Richard. Glad to hear you here. Oh, this is a lot of fun. We are here at Dundracon in San Ramon, California for a uh, game convention over President's Day weekend. So we're simulcasting this so you can watch it on the video, but you also are listening to it on my podcast. And I want to welcome everybody to listening. I I wanted to sit down with Dana because Dana has been doing... uh... Dana, I'm not sure what it is you do. Why don't you you explain to me? (laughs) Well, for... Well, since 1972, I've been publishing games, books, magazines, and things related to military history in some way or another. 
and I've been mostly an editor, but I end up writing a lot as a result of that. I've done a few books on my own, but I've done a lot of game design, board game design over the years, and probably the one that I'm most uh, famous for is Streets of Stalingrad. So I'm here at uh, DungeonCon because they asked me to come and help them rebuild the historical gaming aspect of the convention. And one of the things that they're hoping I can help them with is the War College, which consists of a lot of seminars where people learn about history maybe in a way they, don't, they never heard about it, or, or things that they didn't know about military history, about battles, about campaigns, about weapons, technology, tactics. And that's what we're trying to do, and that's why I'm here at DungeonCon. Okay, and that's an interesting point because uh, the board game industry is seeing a renaissance. More and more games are being developed. Kickstarter is making it popular. That's what this podcast is about is Kickstarter. And you bring out an interesting point is that we haven't seen a lot of the traditional war game. When I say traditional war game, we're talking about the old Avalon Hill, Victory Games, uh, SPI, those games from a long time ago because in the new game space, they're Euro games, they're Settlers of Catan, they're Ticket to Ride, right? And so are you seeing, is there an increasing interest or is it just an interest that was always there and has never been quite tapped into recently? There are, are still a lot of guys that like to play those old style war games, including myself. But because of the Euro-style games that are more social, that don't require as many detailed rules, for example, because I've learned the hard way after designing games like that, very complex, very detailed games, that you limit how many people can enjoy that. Only the hardcore will put in the hours and hours reading many pages of rules. So I've come around now to this phase of my career looking at doing military history games more like the Euro game style, where we're capturing the essence of a battle, the concepts behind it, what it meant to make decisions as a commander without overwhelming people with the detail. You still have enough detail on uniforms, tactics, weapons, that it's like, this is really cool. But the important thing is that you as a player are now making the same sort of decisions that the generals had to face when they were in the actual situations. Without the details of keeping track of counters and numbers and dice and, and all of the charts. Well, that's interesting. Is, do you feel that um, now, having played a lot of those hard, hardcore war, ga- uh, war games, when people ask me what's my favorite game, I always have to look at the person asking me because my favorite games are some of those hardcore board games. But who am I going to play them with? So, you know, it's, I want to play a game, so hey, I'll play Settlers of Catan, Ticket to Ride with you. Uh, are, are you afraid? Is there a new... So, where am I going with this question? There's a, I'm feeling that there's a new generation coming up that aren't, don't have the memories of those, those old style games, hex based war uh, area zones of control area games, and is there a new opportunity then to introduce them to what we would call a war game, and uh, maybe they haven't really even seen one. I, I think that's true. I think that there's a new audience for them, and I think that the guys who used to play the games as I did are finding that we don't have as much time to do that with. And also, it isn't true that just because it's more complex and more detailed that it's more about the reality of combat or, or warfare. In fact, it's still abstract. It's an abstraction of reality. Therefore, you can cram all the rules you want to and all the counters into it, and it doesn't make it more realistic. So are you trying to educate people? Are you trying to teach them something about it? Are you trying to just have fun? You can have all those things. And I think that what I've come around to is the fact that I'm making the games more accessible. And the reason I'm doing that is I had to remember where I started. 
all those complex games that we remember with victory victory games and and uh, SPI and the more complicated Avalon Hill games, those happened after we learned how to play with Africa Corps and all the early games, you know, the early style Avalon Hill, which had maybe four pages of rules. I want to get back to that. That's where I'm trying to go, is back to those four pages of rules. If it has more pages, it's because we have more examples in color, which was impossible back then, color examples of how to play the game. So that's where I'm at right now in terms of where I want to go with my game design. Okay, but... and. Okay, and that's a, a valid point. I had forgotten about that. And I have Africa Corps, Wooden Ships and Iron Man, Stalingrad, some of those earlier ones. Uh, I can remember Third Reich uh, was one of their things that, hey, it's got over a 1,000 counters, and that was a good thing. Nowadays, that, uh, or Gulf Strike, which was a 40-hour scenario, and we just don't play that anymore. In your case, though, you're looking at Kickstarter, and you've been looking at bringing a project out on Kickstarter, but it's not a, board, it's not a war game. Right, well, my interest in games stems from my interest in military history. And where I started with that was in reading books, magazine articles and things like that. When I discovered you could you could study warfare and history through games, I just went crazy because, oh my gosh, it's the best way to study what-ifs. But yes, it's the, it's the books, it's the magazine articles that I started with and I still do. So what I'm using Kickstarter for initially is I'm, I have a book project called Grant Rising, which is the first volume in a series of map books for the American Civil War. And the reason we're doing map books is one of the biggest frustrations I've had, because I also am involved in publishing books and magazines, not just games, is the fact that maps are expensive to put into books, and fewer and fewer publishers will include maps. Why? Why? It, it costs a lot of money. Why? Why does it cost a lot of money? Because the guys who make the maps charge so much money to make a map. Okay, so you've got an, an, uh, an author. Okay, I write a book. Let's say I make $8,000 for a book that's going to sell two, 3,000 copies. That might be typical for a, a history uh, subject. Okay, now it might cost me two or $3,000 to add maps to that. Who's going to pick that up? Well, the publisher said, I'm not doing that anymore. And the author says, well, I can't afford that much. That's way too much bite out of, out of what I'm making. So what happens is either books, too many of them, have no maps at all, which is just terrible for a history. How can you follow the history without looking at a map? Or they have very, very few maps. And certainly if it's a, just a regular book printed with black ink, right, there's no color. So now you've got a map that tries to show too much on it or too many things in just black ink and shades of black, okay, grays and so forth. So what we've done is we've looked at, okay, what, what would I want if I were having a book I could make, which is exactly what we're doing, what do I want? So it's a map book. It's one map after another that tells the story of Ulysses S. Grant's early career in the West. And instead of like one map on Shiloh, there are 10 maps from strategic down to tactical. And they're in color, every map. And they're not just in color where one side's red and the other side's blue. That's traditional. But it's shades of blue and shades of red so that you can follow every division, every core. And now you can see, oh my gosh, look at how intermingled they became. No wonder they got confused. This guy's division is all over the map. If it was just all red and all blue, you'd never see that. So we tried to put things into the maps that I want to see 
as a military historian, as a gamer, as someone who loves this stuff. And that's why we wanted to put this in front of Kickstarter, because I'm sure there are other guys out there that say, that's a great idea. I'd love to see that book. Well, we need your help to make that possible. So you're not a, uh, you're not a map designer. You make books, but you're not a map designer. So how did you go? I've, I've got to believe that the map guy, you're going to tell me who he is here in just a second. Uh, did you have to pitch him on this idea? Yes, actually I did. But uh, I actually started one of my parts of my editing career was because I was frustrated with the maps that were being done, I started making my own maps. Now, I'm not a professional cartographer, but I made enough maps that I got a sense of, you know, this is not working, or we need to do this or that to make this map more understandable and clearer to people. So I came from a background of seeing this being used in, in my magazine articles and books. So what happened was, just out of the blue, a guy named Hal Jesperson, who has made hundreds of maps for Wikipedia entries, just hundreds of these things on the American Civil War, put out a little email saying, hey, I understand you're involved in the publishing business. I make maps. If you ever need a map, let me know. So I immediately contacted him and says, oh, my God. It's just like somebody was answering my prayer because I was thinking, who am I going to find to do this? I contacted Hal and I said, Hal, here's my brainstorm. This should be a series of books in full color using the color to distinguish terrain types, to distinguish the, the forces involved. And it will be a, not just a bunch of maps like an atlas, but it will tell a story that will have text that reads what you're seeing there and tells you some of the background. He loved this idea, and we've been working on this for almost a year for the first volume, and he's already started the maps for the second volume. Now, he, along with somebody else that I was introduced to, James Knight, who has written several campaign guides that have been sold at the battlefields. He lives in uh, Franklin, Tennessee, and he travels to these things, to these actual battlefields, and he got together with us. We have this little team of me as the sort of editor and project manager. Hal is doing the maps, and Jim is doing the text. And so we, we meld this together with each of our strengths, and we've got this first book put together called Grant Rising. And the next one, just to give everyone a tip-off, is called Lee Triumphant. So it's all about Lee's early career up through the end of 1862. And then obviously there'll be more books. And the reason we did that is you don't want to have a book so thick and so huge that it's like, oh, my God, I cannot you know, put this anywhere and, and refer to it. We wanted people to be able to use it, okay? Not just a pretty textbook or, or a reference book, but actually be able to use it because, remember, no one else has maps in their books. So it's like, wow, I can use this one while I'm reading this book about Grant. And I can say, oh, yeah, they said that this brigade got trapped. It's like, I'll go right here to this map. It shows me right here what happened, right? And instead of one map trying to show four different phases of a battle, it's like, oh, no. We'll have all four phases with their own separate map, okay? So this is like a map lover's book, right? And it's a history lover's book. It's designed for people who really want something that they're going to use a lot. If people write to me later and say, I've worn it out, is the best possible thing I could ever hear. Wow. Hey, can we have a spoiler alert? Who wins? Is it Grant Lee? <laughs> it's a tie, all right? In the South, it's a tie, but in the North, the North wins. Oh, okay, good. Well, there, there you have That's an exclusive spoiler alert about 1862. What happens in the Civil War? Grant's going to win in the North. So, Dana, that's, uh, that's fascinating. So you're going to use Kickstarter, launch this first one, find some success, uh, get the book out there. And I guess, would it, this have been possible without Kickstarter? 
in theoretically, you could still do it, but you'd have to do like a, a pre-order system. I mean, people maybe who are listening are familiar with GMT's P500 system, which means you get 500 pre-ordered games, and they get the credit cards. They know, oh, we have enough games now that we can go ahead and print the print the product because we're going to get your card charge your card and give that money to the printer, okay? And I've done something similar to that with previous projects, but the problem is it takes so much to reach people who might be interested that it could take you months and months and months just to accumulate enough orders to finally get enough and then go to the printer, okay? Kickstarter is unbelievable because in just one month, you can get all these people because there are people out there that may not even care about a map book that say, this sounds like a great idea. You know what? Here's five bucks, right? And other people who normally, because of the Internet now, you don't have to use postcards. You don't have to use the uh, even emails. A lot of people won't pay attention. But because of social networking and going to forums and going to the normal things you do every day with, like Facebook, you can be made aware that this book is trying to gather support. So all of a sudden, Kickstarter, and I guess other crowdfunding sites do the same thing, is that you can reach an audience, like, very quickly, who might have some interest in it, or even, maybe they don't, but they're still willing to support a worthwhile project. Very cool. We've been talking to uh, Dana Lombardi, uh, with Lombardi Studios, who uh, has a project coming out called Grant Rising. You can find the URL, www.grant-rising.com. And it's a book of maps of the early campaign of Ulysses S. Grant in uh, the Civil War in his campaigns in the West. Uh, fascinating discussion. It's caused me to uh, say kind of, oh, yeah, now I, now, you know, I look at those books and I never thought about, oh, somebody had to write that map. And, that, and now I'm very looking forward to uh, seeing some of these cool, this cool stuff that you've got going on. Dana, thank you very much for uh, joining us. Any of the last comments you want to make? I just want to say thank you to Richard because everyone out there should know that he's the one that convinced me. I've been thinking about Kickstarter, but I was a little bit worried and afraid of doing it with, because I, you worry about making mistakes, and I didn't want to do that. And you were the one who showed me, showed me that we can use Kickstarter, and I'm so anxious to start because we're going to kick this off in March. And thank you, Richard, for making it possible for me to do this. Dang, you blew my cover. Yeah, uh, Dana and I had met uh, in September of last year, and uh, he was looking at doing this. And I said, you should do it on Kickstarter, and it's come a long ways. And so I wanted to have him on the show uh, and uh, have him talk about the project. And, but you'd never actually talked to me this extensively about it. Uh, we'd only talked about just kind of in general, a book, maps. And so uh, this has been very inspiring. So thank you very much. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host. We are at uh, live from, well, not live when you're listening to it, but we recorded live here at Dundercon. You can hear a little bit of noise in the background. Uh, and uh, we've had a chance to sit down with Dana Lombardi from Lombardi Studios to talk about his upcoming Kickstarter project called Grant Rising. Grant-Rising.com is where you can find it. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you found something inspiring. I know I have. And it's been great to uh, talk to Dana and uh, get excited about this coming project. We look forward to seeing your project on Kickstarter so that we can help you fund your dream. Thanks for listening. Take care.